trying to beef up get my beach bod ready you're not supposed to use the word beef doug when you talk to this audience we learned that when we <laughs> sent out an email about the <laughs> beefing up the marathon roadmap and we got 19 replies saying that we shouldn't do that you're right <laughs> so you're right. I mean you're trying to bulk up bulk up i'm trying to bulk up okay become Good. a muscular uh, machine even though you're married you're still trying to to focus on your body <laughs> You know, I, I, well, all right, you want to know the truth was that I, I went and visited um, a friend who had a pool bar in his doorway, <laughs> yeah. and and I was like I was like walking by it, and I just jumped on it and started doing some pull ups, and I could only do two, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is this is, is not me. good. This is no, weak. that's not good at all. <laughs> no. I was like, oh man, I need to do something about this. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. I mean, running, specifically ultra running, you can you can seem like you're in pretty good shape. And have a really poor fitness when it comes to anything except for running. Right. I, I mean, I think, I feel like if, if you're, I could be wrong about this too. I feel like if you're a marathoner and you're top level, you know, in your, for yourself, you're, you're as good as you get at marathons. I feel like you pretty much have to kind of be in some shape and have some strength just because to do that, you're probably doing some speed work and mm. speed work, at least for me, tends to like work other muscles too. Like you can, I can see a difference when I'm doing that. Uh, the longer you go, though, it seems like it almost becomes more of a skill, and like you can you can be really good at running long distances without actually being in any good physical shape. <laughs> well, you have good endurance, you have good cardiovascular yes, yes. shape, but... right? But having lots of other um, physical shortcomings. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's bad when uh, <laughs> when what hurts the most after a long run is the arm where you're carrying your water bottle. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's a perfect example. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, what are you doing? What are you What are you trying to do? All right. So, so I've got this new habit. It's pretty simple. I decided not to go big. You know, not not trying to get huge muscles or anything. But I want to, or I guess I should say, I'm not trying to, you know, join the gym and have this new huge habit. But I want to do push-ups before I before every shower. So every day I'll do push-ups before I get in the shower. So it is every day because I I haven't had a shower in about three days actually. Well, and that is that is the truth. <laughs> Okay. I've had two runs since my last shower. You did, you did say a couple episodes ago that you don't. You know, I don't like showers. Yeah. I'm 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 an anti shower crusade right now. Does that mean you haven't run in three days? No, I, I've done two runs since my last shower. Wow, I, I know that's gross, but uh, I'm making it work. Well, I shower every. I sh- and pretty much every day. I, I definitely after every run. <laughs> <laughs> good, like most people. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, good. Uh, so okay, a new daily habit then. A new daily habit, and and I decided to put it right before the shower for a couple of reasons. One, because I probably have just gotten back from a run, so I'm already sweaty. It's a good way to end the run. Mm-hmm. And I'm using the shower as my trigger for the habit. I like that. So the typical way to use a trigger, the way that I think of it, is you have an activity and then the habit happens right after that. But this works too because, I mean, I think what's really your trigger truly is – I got you clothes still on when you're doing the push-ups. <laughs> they are still on, yeah. Okay, um, so the trigger is is something else. It's, well, it's but as it's soon getting you... ready for the shower. It's going down and you know preparing to take a shower. Right. So that's your yeah. So that's your that's your trigger. So that's I like that because I think that that points out that your trigger can be something that happens after. Or you, know, you can do your habit right before your trigger, uh, even if technically something else right before that is triggering it. Yeah. But that's a good point. I like that. Cool. So how many? What are you doing? Like 
a certain number? Are you increasing it, or are you just you just doing what you feel like? Yeah. So, well, no, I'm certain, I'm trying to like max out. I take one break. I, I do as many push-ups as I can, and I take a break for I don't know, maybe like 20 seconds or something, and then I go back and and do it again. Okay. Um, and I'm too embarrassed to say my numbers, but um, <laughs> but they have been getting. I've been doing this for about two weeks, and they have definitely improved significantly in just those two weeks. Good. Okay, I like it. There's a book called Seven Weeks to 100 Push-Ups, and I, I wrote about it on Nomi Dathe a long time ago. It's by a guy who actually is a friend of mine, and I, the two things are totally independent. I had, I had done the book and then met the guy uh, at some a Daily Mile meetup at a race that I did, and he happened to be there, and I started talking to him, and he was cool. Hmm. Um, but anyway, I liked that because usually when I have done push-ups in the past, it was always just like kind of what you're doing. Do them until you feel tired and then stop. But this was like you have goals to hit each every few weeks. So eventually you're kind of really stretching. And it gets really hard, which is the the problem with it. <laughs> um, but like, you know, you have to stretch to get to 35. And it's like you feel like the last time you had to do 32 and it was so hard. How am I ever going to get there? So I'm, I'm just curious to see what will happen. I hope you stick with this for a long time because I'd like to hear um, how how you progress. And if you ever if you end up implementing little like, you know, signposts where you have to get to this certain point each time. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, that's a that's an interesting thought. I hadn't really, I consciously tried to make this as simple as possible, so no yeah. benchmarks or I, anything. I think it's a good thing. Um, but, you know, I mean, I'm definitely, you know, I noticed that I, wow, I'm able to hit this number, and I've never been able to do that before. So, um, and it's, you know, it, it's incredible how many more I can do now than I did that very first day. And how long have you been doing it? Two weeks. Yeah. It's, it is amazing how fast your body adapts to stuff uh-huh. like that. Yeah, yeah. Makes you always one. Makes you always wish you like wish you just done it for the past ten years. <laughs> right. You know, whatever you have it. Like, it, the, it, there's a saying that the easy things to do are also easy not to do. Yeah. And it's stuff like that. It's so easy to go do push-ups before your shower, but it's also very, very easy not to do that. So most of us don't. Yeah. So anyway, this is a good introduction to. Well, it's an introduction to our uh, <laughs> our episode today about habit change, and it's a it's kind of based on a post that I wrote uh, probably three weeks ago or so called "A New Method for Creating Changes That Last." It's nomadathlete.com/slash/habit-method, and uh, I really like this post. It, it's one of my longest ones ever. I think it was probably close to three thousand words, um, wow. which is probably a reason that not as many people read it as I hoped would. Uh, but that's what I want to talk about because I, I really do love the topic and I, I love the idea in the post. Uh, and that idea is to combine these two approaches that uh, are, are so often thought to be kind of opposed to each other when it comes to habit change. And we've talked about them on the podcast before uh, when we had Rip Esselstyn on in particular. Was, most people listening at this point may not have heard that episode. It was a long time ago uh, or it was probably a year ago. But back then it was it was kind of in our before i don't know before this new push of the podcast we've been doing uh and anyway rip kind of in a very friendly way sort of challenged me on he said he was like i know you like the small steps approach but i think and this is he was referring to his engine 2 program which is a 28 day challenge he said i think when people go totally all in with something they that it works much better because they they get to notice the results and and when you said if you go vegan fully vegan oil free the way he wants you to do it he said, if you do that, you're going to be noticing stuff within a week. You're going to start to notice that you feel better, your weight changes. Uh, if you were doing any type of blood work, like you would see that stuff changing. And he said, people see these amazing results. And for the people who, for whom it sticks, it's because they say, I'm, I'm never going back. Like This is amazing. I'm not going to change it. So right. he said, 
with small steps, you and I fully agree. With small steps, you don't have that. The first month, maybe two months, depending on how small your steps are, you're not seeing any changes at all physically. And the example here, one is, I mean, you could, in a food situation, you could talk about uh, if you're if you're fully omnivorous, maybe eating mostly standard American diet. Maybe you're kind of healthy, but like, so this is where I was, and thinking that I was doing it pretty well, I was avoiding processed foods mostly, uh, and I cut out beef or, or four-legged animals basically so so cows and pigs i stopped eating those animals did that for like an entire year without really planning to go further or, or become vegetarian or vegan i just wanted to stop eating these animals that kind of i don't know i didn't really feel right about eating and uh i don't you know i probably didn't notice like my health didn't change as a result of that maybe maybe some people would if they switch from beef to chicken but the change like that is slow it, it's more a habitual thing and you're changing your habits you're changing the way you think uh, another example would be running. If you if you start out running by the way we tell people sometimes, which is like start with two minutes a day and do that for a full week. And if you can do it for a full week, then let yourself do five minutes a day. I mean, you're not going to see any physical changes as a result of that other than maybe that running for two minutes gets a little bit easier. But what's happening is you're changing your brain. You're making the habit, you're making it into a habit in your brain. Um, so that that's the whole thing. And you're doing that without really drawing on your willpower too much because you don't want that willpower to run out before this thing has become a habit uh because as we've said willpower is a very real and depletable thing so that's that's kind of the two philosophies there's this all in jump jump in get the quick results but kind of at the at the risk of draining your willpower really quickly because you're you're doing something that's hard and difficult and new versus the approach that that really preserves that willpower doesn't really draw on it much at all but doesn't really give you much results and requires a lot of patience. So those are the two opposing camps here. And uh, this method that I am proposing, I realize, is the one that I've pretty much used for every single big change I've ever made that has lasted. Hmm. Uh, and that's that's to, to use both of those approaches. So when I, you know, I'm curious when you did the Boston qualifier, when you set out to you know run the six marathons that it took you to qualify for Boston. Had you thought through all this before, or? Or were you just going after that big, massive goal? Though? Yeah, no, I hadn't. I hadn't thought through any of this stuff. I mean, me thinking about habits in in any sort of way that that's more than just you know I, I want to do this new thing um, is is only three years old. And since kind of since I got into Zen habits, I started learning about his small te- small steps approach mm-hmm. and doing it then. Um, but anyway, but that that running one, I mean, in some ways, kind of was another example of this thing. It's not a super clean example, but um, the way that I got into running was an all-in approach. I I was not a runner at all. My friends weren't runners. We did a little bit with our workout program, but none of us had any had any thoughts of doing a race. And then suddenly we decided we we're going to run a marathon, and just jumped into that. Started the training plan a few days later, and like suddenly went from not running at all or running five to eight miles a week as part of our workout program, from doing that to marathon training. It was just a total jump in. And it worked for a while. We we were inspired. You know, it had the the intended effect of you get massive results and you see this thing. You see yourself becoming a runner. And then had what what also happens is the crash happens. You you get to this point where it it just wears you out. And then so it's like that was the thing. It was this initial all in approach to change. Eventually that burning burning me out sort of eventually failing. And then me turning to kind of a more measured approach that was more gradual. And it really came for me starting all the way back at the beginning. I started, stopped doing all kinds of speed work, just went with the very slowest possible runs I could, started really focusing on the 180 steps thing, 
uh, got you know make sure I got to the point where I could run without the shin problems I was having, and kind of then built from there. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what the in general what this approach is, and the approach is that you don't have to choose between massive action and small steps, and that's that's the names that I gave to these two different camps. Um, what you can do is do both. You can you can dive right in because that's it seems that everyone I've talked to about this they understand the small steps idea. They understand why it makes sense. But, and, and I'm exactly like this, having the patience to do that is really, really hard. So when you get inspired to do something, let's say let's say you get inspired to become a runner because you read Born to Run or you see a running documentary uh, or maybe maybe even more clearly, let's say you get inspired to go vegan because whatever light bulb comes on, whatever flash of inspiration happens, you see a documentary, you decide, I want to be this. I want, I want to live this way, eat this way, and I want to be healthy that way. Um, most people don't want to wait. They don't want to go through the gradual steps. They don't want to go through that few months of not having any results because you're just changing your your the, the way the habit is wired in your brain. Um, they want to dive in. So they say, like, they say, yes, I understand the small steps approach, but I am really someone who changes best when I really just go for it, when I kind of, like, leave myself no other option, burn all bridges, and just go for it. And I think I think everyone thinks they're that type of person, but way fewer people are that person than think they are. Right. So I think, but what I think though is massive action has a a role, and I think what you should do in this this new approach that I am proposing that has worked really well for me is indulge that desire to just go for it. What I've the advice I've given people for years now, until I sort of refined this, was like if you feel like you don't have the patience to just start with small steps, then do the massive action. But when and if it fails, and it probably will fail, very few times do people make a massive shift like that and then the rest of their life, it just stays that way. It all, even if it kind of looks like it's lasting, it tends to wear off after a month or two or three months of that. Uh, but I say, do that, go for it, let yourself have a ball with going all, you know, go fully vegan or whatever it is you're trying to do. But then when it fails, if it does, don't say, okay, I failed. I'm not going to try to go vegan anymore. Or I failed. That was too hard. I'm not going to try to be a runner anymore. But then you say, okay, that's the end of phase one, my massive action phase. Now I begin this small steps approach. And what's nice about this is that if you were just doing the small steps approach with running and you just started running two minutes a day and then after a week started running five minutes a day and then started running 10 minutes a day, you're kind of adding this thing to your life. That, that's a hard thing to do. Even when it's a small step, it's hard to add something new and stick with it. If you've if you've indulged this idea that you want to go all in and you tried running for whatever it is, 20 or 30 minutes a day, and you just went for it, then when that does eventually fail, hopefully not with an injury, but when it fails and you just say, I just can't keep this up, then when you switch to the small steps approach, it feels like a relief. So now it feels like, wow, two minutes a day, that's nothing because I've been running for 20 minutes a day for the past three weeks until I failed at it. Right. So I think there's a lot of power in there because now you're doing this thing, this this sense of impatience, which is what makes the small steps approach fail for me and a lot of other people, that you just can't get yourself to go so little tiny, you know, make such tiny little changes. Um, once you've Once you've really gone in for something and you've kind of failed at it, then it really feels like a nice relief to be able to just do this. And you, and you, that kind of, you've sort of indulged that feeling of wanting to go for it. And now you're kind of okay with being patient because you've seen that it doesn't really work and you've seen that it actually is hard. Uh, Cause that's, that's the problem. It, it, we don't like when you imagine going vegan, when you're super inspired to go vegan, you don't imagine it being hard, right? You, you imagine that 
it's going to work and it's just going to feel good and it's going to be right. But once you actually get into it, I mean, you, you find whatever the habit, not just being vegan, you find that there are parts where it actually is hard and in the moment you don't feel like doing it. Yeah. So I think once you've actually done it and experienced it, then the small steps approach is a little bit easier to swallow. Well, see, that, that's kind of where I struggle a little bit with this philosophy because if you go all in and you fail, so let's talk about going vegan. So you, know, you went all in, you made it three weeks, and, and then you just got completely discouraged. You realized how hard it was and you failed. Um, you know, then you've, you've kind of already said, all right, I can't do this, right? Cause you failed. You said, this was too hard for me. So what, what's the draw? What's the motivation to then do the, do the smaller steps? Because you already know that you can't do it in theory. I, I think for me, it's that when I've done this before, um, experiencing that failure wasn't convincing to me that I couldn't make this work. It was convincing to me that I didn't make this work correctly. So like the first time I tried to do Dr. Furman's program, which was the Eat to Live program where there was no alcohol, no coffee, uh, completely whole foods, no oil, no salt. I tried that for a while and got to a point where it was like, it was just like, I just can't do this anymore. And I, I don't feel like doing this anymore. And I'm just not ready to do this. Like that's kind of what the the sense for me and when i did a vegan trial 30 day vegan challenge back in 2010 i think when i was kind of curious about it i had been vegetarian for a while before that uh, i did this thing got to who knows day 27 out of 30 and stuck with it finished the 30 days but when i got there i was like wow i'm just not ready for this yet so i think that's that's the difference for me when you when you try something like that and it fails uh just it's the mindset of i'm not ready for this versus the mindset of i I can never make this happen. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Sure. So that's that's what it is. And and one way that I've kind of refined this is actually putting an end date on the massive action period. Because so I mentioned with my with this vegan challenge thing I did, where I tried it for thirty days and then realized I wasn't quite ready, and then gradually approach it. And that's that's the whole thing here is go all the way. When you're re- when you find out you're not ready then gradually approach that. And, and the gradual approach may take two years. Who knows how long it'll take? And that's, that's kind of what it was for me with going vegan. I did this 30-day jump in, realized I wasn't ready, and then gradually got there over the course of the next year or so. Yeah. So I love, though, the idea of having the end date on, the, on this. You can call it a trial period. You can call it the massive action period, whatever you want. But having that 30-day part makes it feel like a not a failure. Right? right. So if I, if I had said, I'm going to try being vegan for a while, or I'm going to try to go vegan and see if I can make it stick. That's that ends in failure, right? If that ends, it ends in failure because I went in seeing if I could make this stick. If you're going in saying, all I got to do is get to 30 days and this is a 30 day experiment. And when I get to that, then I'll read it. I'll just decide from there where I'm going. Then it feels somewhat different because to me that, that third, that month of vegan, like when I got to the 30 days, that kind of put a nice cap on it. It was like, Hey, I did that. I was vegan for 30 days. I know I'm not ready for it yet. But I'm glad I did it. I succeeded in doing that. And I think that's pretty powerful. That That's a big thing. And when I went vegetarian, it was the same way. I I had I had already done the giving up the meat or the, the four-legged animals for a year. But when I was finally ready to do it, I said, I'm going to do this for 10 days. And then when I get to the end of that, I'm going to just reassess. So I did 10 days. I actually wasn't fully vegetarian. This was kind of a I didn't even wasn't planning to go vegetarian. I was just doing a, a diet of like basically fish plus plants. And I said, I'm going to see if I can do that for 10 days. And uh, and did and liked it. And I said, okay, I'm going to see if I can do that for 30 days. 
did that and then got there and said this is this is enough to be a lifestyle and I kind of just kept going further from from that point. So when I look back to how I've changed any habits, particularly around eating, but but others as well, it's it's been in this way. It's been starting with an experiment, a trial period, usually succeeding at that, and then saying I'm not quite ready. So and then then approaching it over the next who knows how many years. Yeah, and I think I, I agree that endpoint is super important if you're going to take this approach because even if even if that trial period totally sucks and you're just miserable the whole time if you can do it if you can make it to the end then you're going to think back on that experience as a positive experience right and yeah. um you know and then you can use you can harness that positivity and that that outlook that positive outlook on the experience to make start making those smaller steps and make the whole thing a lot easier yeah and even if this whole method is just going over your head to someone listening to this and you're not that interested in you know this such such an engineered approach to habit change do the deadline like when you want to make a change uh if you've got to stop biting your fingernails if you're i don't know if you're going to try to stop drinking if whatever it is eat healthier instead of saying for now on i eat healthier for now on i don't drink for now on i don't smoke who knows what it is instead of that Say, this is a 10-day challenge, and for the next 10 days, I don't drink or smoke or whatever it is that you're trying to change, or I run for 10 days, exercise, and just put a deadline on there. And then when you get to that point, you can stop if you want. You, you can have succeeded at showing yourself that you can last for 10 days, and even if you decide to go back, let's say, you're, let's, say, let's say it's exercise, and you start exercising, and you do it for 10 days, and you say, this is just kind of too hard, I feel like there's still some value in having gone for 10 days and demonstrated to yourself that you can keep a commitment for 10 days. Because you've got then something to build on for next time. Right. But in all likelihood, if you've made it 10 days and you haven't failed, I, I think in very few cases would somebody say, well, that was good, but now I'm done with that and I'm going to go back <laughs> to being lazy. I mean, so what you should do then is extend it. But I think just it, that it's such a, a tiny shift. But instead of saying, I'm making this change, make it i'm making this change for x number of days and, and it seems like it's not what you want because if you're inspired to change you're you're thinking about changing for your whole life but i think when you just treat it as a trial you kind of get that you get that kind of curiosity sense it becomes a little bit more of a playful thing it becomes more interesting uh you learn things it's an experiment i, I think it just does so much to put an, uh, an end date on a change you're trying to make even if you know of course that once you get there you can always extend that and that's that's hopefully what will happen mm-hmm. absolutely so, cool. so, so, you know, we've talked about it broadly, and we've talked a little bit about the steps that, that people should take. But can you walk us through the step-by-step process of, of how to how to do this? Yes, I certainly can. So, the first one uh, is what we've been talking about. Well, it's not quite. It's, it's a step before this, and that's another little distinction that not a lot of people make. But that's to set a start date for your massive action phase, right? So, so let's a good example is let's say you watch the movie forks over knives mm-hmm. and you said i'm gonna be vegan for now on like that's that's the thing i want to do is go vegan somehow uh and i'm also assuming that you have the desire to jump right in rather than the patience to go tiny steps at a time and i totally understand because i am the exact same way uh so set a start date for that that massive action period this is different because what most people do when we when we decide we're going to change is we just change. We just, we just, or we just try to change, I should say. Um, you know, I, I've, I've seen so many people who say, this is my last cigarette. I've, I decided I'm not smoking after this. This is it. And then two or three hours later, they're smoking a cigarette again. <laughs> right. And, and I mean, it's, I've done the exact same thing. I used to do it with biting my nails. I would decide in the morning, like I'd wake up, I don't know, eight o'clock 
and I'd say, I'm sick of this. I'm not, I'm done with it now. And then like sometimes half an hour later or an hour later, I'm doing it and I'm thinking, didn't work. I'm going to try again tomorrow. Right. And like you just do that over and over with, with some sort of habit. And it might not be every single day, but when you have this sense that your change isn't important enough to you're not really respecting the difficulty of the change when you just try to suddenly make it. And I think when you do that, you teach yourself it's not important. You teach yourself that if you fail, you can always start again tomorrow. And I think that's not a good lesson. What you want to do is teach yourself that this is important. So if you can have the restraint to say, I want to go vegan, like that's my, that's this change that's really exciting and inspiring to me, but I'm going to wait until five or seven days from now. And, and I don't mean just put it off because, you know, a lot of people will say I'll change tomorrow and they never do, but pick an actual date and make it, who knows, five, seven days away and say, this is my start date. And suddenly it becomes important because you've circled it on the calendar. You've told people about it. You start using that build, bringing in accountability. You tell people, this is my change date. And perhaps most importantly, you start actually planning for it. And that's one of the big failures when people try to go vegetarian or vegan is they're not ready. They don't, they don't have the ingredients in their house all the tempting stuff that they're used to eating is still around. They haven't. They don't have meals in mind. And it's like you start it and then you're like, well, what do I eat? And then it fails. And that, that actually happened to me when I very long time ago tried to go vegetarian when I was just – I guess I was still in grad school. And I said um, that – yeah, I was, I was certainly still in grad school because that's when I made the real change. But like a couple years before that, I said I'm just going to try being vegetarian. And that's exactly what happened is I got two days into it and went out to drink at a, at a bar with some friends. And ordered a chicken sandwich because there was nothing else on the menu for me to eat, and I just didn't know how to do a vegetarian, how to how to do vegetarian at a restaurant. Right. So it failed at that point because I wasn't prepared. So what you can do is prepare. That's that's the really good benefit of having this time in between when you decide you're going to change and when you actually start it. So set a start date. That's it. Would you would you uh, wait five to seven days? I mean, is that kind of the? I mean, no, it doesn't have to be five to seven, but I think. Somewhere in that range, if it's if it's two or three days, that's fine too. If that like if it makes sense that you want to start on a Monday or something for whatever reason, and it happens to be Friday now, but just putting a little bit of space between where you are, it it just teaches you that it's important. Um, I, I really do think that that restraint is a good thing and, and kind of lets you build up energy because you've got this energy towards the change. I think if you can really, the longer you can put off the start, that that still builds energy rather than lose it because you don't want to put it off so far that the energy sort of dissipates and you lose it. But if you can build that that uh, anticipation for the change, then I think that's going to work in your favor when it comes time to actually make the change. Yeah. But what, so what about you know what if you watch some documentary in the afternoon and you're about to cook dinner and you're like, no, I'm I'm going to go vegan now. You're all fired up. You know, you're all that was <laughs> I'm, I'm repulsed by meat and I never want to touch it again. I, like I remember watching Fat, Sick, and Nearly Dead, that juicing documentary, and think, and immediately I was like, all right, I'm going to start juicing all the time now, you know, and I was all fired up about it, and, and I, I think had I... Are you, are you juicing today? No, I'm not juicing at all today, <laughs> but, but you know, I mean, I think that, that had I been like, well, you know, I won't start juicing for another week, maybe juicing is different, but um, I don't know, you know, the, at, at some point you got to use that moment, that, that fire that you've created. No, right? okay, but look, but, I, but, but you're, are you juicing today? You didn't make it last. It didn't work. <laughs> No, I'm not, so I'm, I'm not saying it's not fun to dive right into something. It is, uh-huh. it, and it, it, that's what that's what we're, we tend to do. Uh, but I think if you can force yourself not to, I think if instead you you then in that exact moment use that energy to pick a day you're starting, order the juicer, get the food, call all your friends and tell them exactly what you're doing. Start your juicing blog. Get Doug's Juicing Blog dot com set up <laughs> and going. 
do all that stuff. So it's not that you're it's not that you just let this energy go to waste. You you use the energy like crazy, but you put it towards building accountability. And one of the great things that Leo said in in our Nomad Athlete Academy seminar this month because we're doing a month of change anything. Um, what he one of the things he, he gave this nice metaphor and he said it, it's you think of the habit change as a path that you're walking down and you want it. What his his approach is to kind of is to start with the small steps. So he says you want to take small steps down this path. But you've got all this extra energy at the beginning when you're excited, and it's hard to take such small steps because you're so excited. He says to put that energy into building walls around the path that won't let you get off of it. So mm-hmm. that's that's what this accountability is. It would be using all this energy to plan for the change, get com, tell all your friends about your juicing thing, get the juicer, get the foods, find the juicing recipes you need. All this energy is going into building these walls and then – in Leo's metaphor, your small step here or the what you're doing on the path is delaying the start a little bit because you're building these walls. Got it. Got it. Good. Got it. Understood. So good. And I mean and not that any of this is set in stone as like this is this is the only way to change, but this is I think this is kind of it's a topic that people write about and talk about a lot these days. And I think these ideas to me are kind of the ones that are are coming forth as the ones that, that truly do uh, have some value as as you know even in some studies you're kind of showing that we do change a certain way most of us and uh, and i think there's a lot of validity validity to these ideas it's not just um you know i'm not just making up ways to change here <laughs> <laughs> um so so the next thing besides setting that start date of course is what we talked about set the end date so before you start figure out how long you're doing this for what's the goal what's your period and don't make it my whole life because that introduces lots of issues you start to get the mental issues particularly in going vegetarian or vegan you get those those thoughts of I can never eat a cheeseburger again. I can never eat buffalo wings again. And when you're when you're in a phase or a, or a, a spot where you're craving that and you're fighting this temptation, uh, to have that thought come in too that oh my I, I can't just eat this now I can't not eat this now, and I also can't eat this ever. That's that's not something you want on your you know on the opposite corner here. You want uh, as much as you as much as possible. You want to not have those thoughts. So if if the thought is instead. I can't eat buffalo wings now, and I can't eat them for the next five days because that's how many days are left in my 10-day challenge. That's way easier to deal with than I can never do this again. Right. So you want that end date there. Um, like we said, I think 10 days is probably best for most things. I said 30 in the post because I was, I don't know. I, I like, even 10 days is hard. I, I want to commit to something bigger than that. But if you can do it, go for 10. Know full well that when you get to that 10 days, you're you are encouraged to re-up and go for 30 days now um but but set a deadline that's the thing put put an end date to your little challenge and when you get there you'll decide what you're going to do next yeah i think the month the 30 days is is good just because it is a month and you can kind of you know say that you're committing to something for a month and also i think that habits tend to stick if you can do them for or or are more likely to stick if you can do them for 30 days absolutely the the issue is that is that it's a lot, right? So, so like the point of us of us having this end date is so that you kind of have something to fall back on if it seems tough, right? If it gets right. to a part where it's hard, you say, "Well, I've just got to make it for these ten more days." And and once you're into it, it's only you know make it for these three more days or whatever it is. When that's twenty five days away instead of five days away, it becomes a lot harder to stick with it. Sure. And, and then and then suddenly you're more likely to end in failure. And as we kind of talked about, that's not the best thing. If it ends in you failing at your massive action period. That's that's not very good. You want to wrap it up and then say, well, that was good, but I'm not quite ready to do that. 
but at least I succeeded in doing what I said. So that's why I would encourage people to do the shorter, if you're, especially if you're kind of new at change and this whole idea of even engineering change like this is, is new to you. I would start small. I mean, as, as small as possible. 10 days, I think, is, is enough that you can imagine yourself doing that. You can imagine yourself getting to the end of that and feeling what it's like and maybe even seeing some differences. Uh, and then if that's successful, go for 30. But I, I totally understand the temptation of wanting to start with 30 for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so then anyway, that's it. You do your thing. Throughout all this, of course, there's, there's habit change principles. There's the idea of creating accountability. There's the idea of tracking your results. Uh, I mean, there's so many different ideas. And Zen Habits is really the place to go. Zenhabits.net. Just look up Zenhabits.net habit change or something on Google. And you will find all the other stuff. There's tons of ideas around how you can do things. You mentioned the trigger idea earlier, having a trigger in place. So, I mean, all this stuff is good to have. It's all helpful. I didn't put it in here because I'm kind of giving the framework. But anyway, the point is you now, you give it everything you have for this 10 days or whatever your period is. You remember that you can always stop when you get there. That's a really important thing. And when you do get there, when you finish this thing, celebrate it i mean you should reward yourself you want to link that up in your brain that you did something good and you are rewarded you want to create that that loop that that trigger action reward loop which is talked about in books and things like that um and then when you get there you have a decision to make you you have to decide was this is this something that i'm loving right did i love this 10 days and now i'm going to do 30 did i love this 30 days and now i'm going to do 60 days or 30 more days uh or am i not quite ready for this and is it time for me to switch to the small step method so if you're if you're at the point where it's where it's great and you're you're excited to do more days, then really just continue what you did do. Again, I would say have that deadline uh, until you're convinced that the, that you're ready to say this is an indefinite thing for me. I'm going to do this until until whenever, maybe for the rest of my life. Uh, but but I would say keep keep imposing those those little end dates if possible. Uh, but if you're ready to switch this, to the small steps, then then you go to small steps. And we've written plenty about the small steps before. The idea of changing one thing at a time. The idea of starting with the smallest possible step you can imagine. Uh, the running example is a good one, two minutes. But some, like Leo says, if two minutes is too much and if you find yourself missing a run, when you're, all you have to do is go out and run for two minutes, then that's too big for you. And then it happens for people that that is too big for them. And what he said he did when he was beginning as a runner was he made it count as a win if he went out the door, if he put his shoes on and shut the door behind him. <laughs> that that was all he had to do and he said he started building a string of successes that way and if he did that he would mark it on the calendar he would have this visual reward in front of him that he would see that he did it and then after he did a week of that and got seven x's on the calendar then he started doing two minutes and you just start building this habit in your brain even if at first that's a perfect example you're not doing anything that's actually getting you a physical result but you're just kind of linking it up in your brain that you're creating this habit uh, so, the, I mean, that's the gist of the small steps approach. And I didn't go into that in the post, and I don't want to go too far into it here because it's it's pretty clear what it is. It's just it's increased in, in the smallest possible steps. I think if you can do something every single day for a week, that's that's your reason to increase it a little bit. But when I say a little bit, I really do mean just a little bit. So, like, from two minutes to, to three minutes or two minutes to four minutes, you know, in that range. Um, even two minutes to five minutes is kind of scary because you're more than doubling what you're doing. Right. Uh, but I think I think you can generally have a good handle on kind of where you are, and if you've done two minutes for a whole week, then you know what it feels like. And and to imagine suddenly making it four, if that feels like a big thing, that you think on the first day of that new new threshold or new level of running, you're going to be procrastinating or dreading it, or it's going to be really painful to do that run, then that's too much. Then then just increase less than that and take your time. So. 
I think this kind of goes back to what we talked about at the beginning of this, which is that we like I wish I had done push-ups for every in front of every before every single shower I've done for the past <laughs> ten years, right? I mean, how much better shape would I be, and how much better would I look? Uh, just a lot of benefits to come from such a small, tiny little action like that, right? And you could think of a dozen of those things that if you just had this small amount of of discipline to put them in your day then that'd be pretty nice and it wouldn't require all that much extra effort the problem is we're not patient right so like we don't we don't start something that's so tiny like that most of us don't and it's it's good that you did and i like that you said earlier that you intentionally made this as simple as you possibly could uh because we don't we don't do that stuff we most of us don't have the patience we think well if i just if i just start with three push-ups before my shower it's not going to lead anywhere and and that's we we can't see it actually getting anywhere but when you when you do it and when you do that little bit every single day it it gets it like we we want if we're starting a push up program we want to be able to go right to 20 or 25 we want to have the the pectoral muscles and the arm muscles and we want to have these results but and it just seems like if it takes 6 months to get there we're we're so unwilling to do that but you're talking about a change that that hopefully will will last two or three or five or ten years, right? I mean, that you want yeah. you want to look back at that point and say, I've been doing this all this time. Mm-hmm. So in that context, when you imagine yourself a year from now, if it took you a month to build up to anywhere where you were actually seeing results, like that's nothing. It seems like it seems like that's a hard, hard long time to wait for a month. So it's hard to take such tiny small steps. But even if it took you six months to get to the point where you're actually seeing results, Two three years down the road, that's worth it, right? Because I mean, that that's nothing. Six months was was nothing. That was only the first tiny fraction of the amount of time you've now been doing this. Two three years down the road, right? So I think that's a very easy thing to miss is that the small steps takes a really long time to ever show results, but really long time is is relative, right? Ten years from now, that really long time that it took you to get started, which maybe was a few months, that's nothing compared to ten years of doing some habit. So I think I think that's that's the philosophy that most of us, including me, are missing in our lives. I mean, it's really hard to to do that stuff, but uh, it's I don't know. It, it's not it's it's not hard. It's it's hard to get your brain around the idea of of building up so slowly. But I think that's that's where we all can really improve with habit change. Yeah, and it's you know, and it's six months or however many months faster than it would if you were doing nothing at all. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly, but yeah, but we want results. We want we want results as soon as we can get them, and I understand why. Uh, I think we're wired for that. Uh, you know, if something's, if something's not working and not showing results, we're not wired to keep doing that, right? We're wired sure. to conserve energy and decide that that must not be an effective thing. But uh, yeah, there's so and there's plenty of books about this. The compound effect is a really good one by a guy named Darren Hardy. Mm. And if you kind of want to just like drive the grooves of this idea deeper, uh, a lot about exponential stuff there, where you if you give someone a penny every day. And, and or a penny the first day, two pennies the next day, four pennies the next day, and you so and you keep doubling it. At the end of a month, they've got ten million dollars, some some amount very close to that. And uh, it, I mean, it's kind of based on that idea and just how how powerful this this exponential change is. When we're talking about physical and mental changes, I'm not really convinced that exponential is the right way to to look at those things. But there there definitely is a building effect, right? So like you're you between day one and day two of, of push-ups you you don't gain very much but i do think that once you started doing this for for a year it just seems like th- changes kind of start stacking on top of each other and and it starts spilling over into other areas of your life and you do sort of get a a compounded returns uh it's not you know which is more than linear if that 
makes sense. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So there you have it. Habit cool. change episode. So, so man, I'm curious. We've talked about my habit that I'm working on right now. Are you working on any habit right now? Not really. The habit I'm working on now is marathon trading, getting myself to consistently run. Sure. Um, I have recently went through a period where I've just been terrible with my habits. I, I've been doing three habits all the time or very, very consistently, and that was running and listening to something valuable on my iPod, which is one of my favorite activities. Um, morning pages, which is an activity from the book The Artist's Way, which is where you just do this sort of free-form writing each morning, mm-hmm. and meditation. I was using the Headspace site, not the app, but the site, and I was doing great, and I made it. I was almost at the end of this thirty-day program of theirs, and then got busy. The Italy, Italy trip thing started. I started trying to wrap up things at home before that, you know, and a million excuses that we all make when when changes fall apart. And I I haven't done except for running recently. Uh, I hadn't done any of those in like a span of like a full ten days or something. I hadn't done any of it, mm. so it just suddenly crumbled. But though I was really strong with those for a while, uh, but I wasn't really hadn't used my my method here. So I'm, I want to apply this to something. And, and see how it does. I mean, I know that it has worked for me before. I don't know how it will work when I'm deliberately setting out to do it. it. It's something that has worked for me before, but only when I look back and realize this is how things worked. So right, right. I'm excited to uh, to actually try to change something with it. Uh, but yeah, I, don't, I haven't really thought. With the travel, I kind of have not been thinking about this stuff too much, but uh, I, I will soon enough for sure. Good. I look forward to hearing about it. All righty. Maybe it'll be a podcast episode. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Good. Well, hopefully this has uh, been informative or inspiring to people. And if so, I would encourage you to make a change, right? Don't just listen to this and then say, hey, that's interesting. That's kind of cool. But the value comes when you do something, as we've said before. Uh, So I am encouraging you or begging you to pick something and see if you can change it. That's what we're doing in the Nomad Athlete Academy this month. Uh, Of course, you don't have to join us there to do this too. Uh, Just find something to make make a change try the method commit to a 10-day thing of it set that start date a few days from now and uh, see if you can do it for 10 days and then just go from there if they do want to join the academy where where do they do that you can find all the info about the academy at nomadathlete.com slash academy dash invitation when you get there you'll see that you can now join monthly so if you're just kind of curious want to try it out for a month and see if it's for you you can do that and then cancel after a month if it's not. And if it is, you can stay on board and you'll just have that rate locked in forever. So nomadathlete.com slash academy dash invitation. And uh, it's not too late to get in on our change anything month if that is interesting to you. Yeah. Doug, you going to join, Doug? <laughs> I would. I would definitely join if, uh, if, you weren't already if I weren't already on it. <laughs> inside. <laughs> um, but no, I'm, I'm really excited about this month. The Leo, I listened to the uh, the Leo uh, interview already and it was it was really great and i'm excited uh for everything else that's coming this month so this is gonna be a good one good yeah i really enjoyed that interview with him i don't know it was it was just a good one for me to do uh, I've, I've interviewed him two or three times in the past and I, I i may have even said this on that recording but i was i was concerned that i didn't know what to ask him that would be new i felt like i've, I've asked him the stuff about habit change but with his new book which came out which i think we mentioned on the podcast at least we mentioned it yeah we talked about it on the podcast yeah mm-hmm. um that came out. He did it himself, and he's not he's not making more of them. This was like a limited edition. I think he might be making another version of it or something. But uh, the book was just so much different from his stuff, and I love his stuff. But I, I kind of expected his book to be a a boiled down and streamlined and really cleaned up version of his this approach to change that he's talked about so often on his website. 
but it just had so many different metaphors and kind of this, I don't know, sort of a Zen kind of background behind it. This thing that was really about changing your, the way you look, that you look at yourself and, and fostering this, uh, the belief that you have the ability to change, which turns out to be such an important part of habit change. Uh, not just like theoretically, but, but empirically in studies that is a crucial part is the belief that you can actually change, uh, is, is one of the, the strongest indicators that you actually will be successful in changing. So the book just kind of applied all these new, this kind of new approach to change that he put on top of his old stuff. And, uh, and the interview had a lot of that, that stuff to it. So that's why I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Cool. So there you go. All right. Um, this has been good. Hope people, people have enjoyed it as always. Give us some feedback. Uh, if you can reviews, ratings on iTunes are much appreciated as always. And, uh, don't forget you can always call in with a question and if it's a, good one i mean even if it's a decent one not that good we will probably play it on the air here and answer it for you um doug you have that number off the top of your head right i know you do yeah of course i do it's five nine five one sorry let me start that over nine five one six 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 three two eight one or if you like words instead of numbers it's nine five one no meat one there you go call and, give us uh, questions. and we actually Bye. we have a couple we're gonna do we're gonna be playing soon from people who have already called in so thanks to those people we have not forgotten about you no we haven't alright forget about readers or listeners Never. or callers okay. alright take care Matt <laughs> alright you too Doug talk to you soon bye